the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and happy Sunday to you. So if you're not listening to it on Sunday, I'm sure glad that you tuned in and took advantage of all the places that you can find Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure that you continue, please, to let your friends know about it. I think that just really helps to encourage us to have a better overall experience of humans is when we really are taking advantage of these, just these great insights. And so what we've done, the last two, we have been working on this whole idea of love. And so we talked about shame. We talked about toxic shame. We talked about, you know, wow, how do I love people? And I want to know what love is. And so we talked all about, I want to know what love is. And so today, I'm going to talk about this idea that sounds great, but a lot of times is difficult to do. And that is, let them love you. So how many of you struggle with letting people love you? Like you might want to push them away. You might want to say, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Or no, I well, thank you, but, right? And we have a hard time just letting people love us. So I'm going to um, give you a little bit, just this little story from my upbringing. And my upbringing, my parents um, were very staunch people, very um, organized people. I mean, really did, you know, followed the rules, big rule, you know, people, very conservative. And they also grew up in the 30s, which is when we had you know, this horrible thing happened. We had the collapse of our whole entire economy. 
And so they grew up in times where, wow, it was tough. It was really tough. And so what, what that did for them was cause them to not be very open to anything emotional. Because, you see, it was so emotional already. It was tragic. People were jumping off skyscrapers. I mean, it was terrible. We had, you know, the, the whole entire dust bowl that occurred. So we, we weren't in a war with another nation, but our country was being totally besieged. And so they had to learn to be really tough. So what, is, what, what am I trying to tell you here? Well, I'm trying to tell you that because of that, nobody hugged in our family at all. Nobody said, I love you. Nobody. We just did not do that. If, they were, if we were talked to, it was to be reprimanded t- typically. We rarely got the, hey, way to go, that's great. And a lot of this came from that era that they grew up in. They didn't have time to laugh. They didn't have time to be creative, right? They were surviving. They had kids and animals and farms and wheat fields that they had to make sure were going to survive. And so it's fascinating to me as I grew up that I, wow, I never heard anybody say I love you. And when I went to college and I got into a sorority, people actually started hugging me. And it was very strange. (laughs) I mean, we did not hug in my family at all. We did not say, I love you. And so he, I have all these sorority sisters that are like, oh, I love you, love you, right? And they did. But I did not know what to do with this. People were touching me and hugging me. Well, the a most amazing thing happened, though. I also went to a church, and they hugged me. And I remember thinking to myself, this is weird. What are they doing? This is crazy. But I loved the content of the sermons. And the people were so kind. And so I went home and I started hugging my my family, my siblings. I started hugging my friends. And you know what? It turned into the most amazing thing. They let me love them because I was willing to take a risk and love them anyways. So ask yourself, who is the them? Well, anyone can be them. See, love can come from anyone, anywhere where grace is extended and kindness is given. It can be a random compliment. It can be a smile. Well, acknowledge and accept it, whether you believe it or not. Don't steal from the person that's trying to extend grace or mercy to you or just acting kindly. God is constantly reminding us that love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers. Now, what does this mean? Well, if you say that something covers or hides the multitude of sin, you're implying that it hides something unattractive or does not reveal the true nature of something. So we usually think of covering as a negative, like we're trying to cover up bad. We're trying to cover up lies. We're trying to cover up whatever it may be. See, covering or hiding really is a gift of grace. It means that those who love us won't expose our ugliness if and while we're working on repentance and change. God puts no time limits on those attempting to change any ugliness. Unfortunately, we as humans may not have the same endurance that God possesses. He is also a contemporary with us while we are attempting to change. 
This, in and of itself, is difficult to fathom. You know, I want to run from my proclivities, my selfishness, my absence of integrity, my mistakes, my blunders. All those things I want to do in the dark, hoping that nobody will find them out. See, it's a beautiful thing that that a perfect God is willing to be with me, a very imperfect person, and willing to help me while I'm changing. So I want you to really give this gift to people that love you. Allow those who love you to support you as you aspire to be the best version of you. No one can do it alone. So allow people to love you when you mess up. See, this is, if you think about physically, do we cover wounds so that they heal? Yes, we cover wounds. Imagine if everybody said, well, I'm too brave for that, or I'm just going to let everybody see all of my wounds, and I'm bleeding all over your house and throwing up all over the place and fainting and all these things. We say to ourselves, wow, that person needs some help. And so if they're pretending like it's not happening, it's kind of crazy making. So think about that. If, if something is covering, this is a gift. Covering or hiding is a gift of grace. It means that those who love us won't expose our ugliness if we're working on repentance and change. And like I said earlier, don't discount this. God puts no time limits on those attempting to change any ugliness. It takes time. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get over something. I remember I've told you several on several shows that I smoked all through high school and college, and I loved it. I have to tell you, I know that's kind of crazy in today's world, but I loved cigarettes. I really did. I didn't know I had ADHD and that the nicotine helped me to calm down. I didn't know that. But boy, was I in trouble with my parents about smoking. And so this is where they gave me some grace. And they knew that at some point I would have to make the decision as to whether or not I was going to smoke the rest of my life. And so when I graduated from NAU, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to go home and drive down the mountain to Phoenix. And what am I going to do? Smoke the rest of my life. So I, as an adult young adult, made a decision. And I'm like, and and if you really want to know the truth, I wanted to quit smoking because I figured that any man that I would want to be with would not want to be with someone smoking. It was not because of a health concern. Okay, I'd love to tell you it was. (laughs) And so what I did was I smoked my last cigarette, put the pack of cigarettes on the top of my car, I drove down the mountain to Phoenix, and I never smoked again. It was tough. I would cry. I would. It was really hard. It was really hard. But I know that God was helping me because I know I was doing the right thing. And so you have to remind yourself, God puts no time limits on those attempting to change any kind of ugliness, any kind of sin, any kind of whatever you've got going on in your life. He's also a contemporary with us while we're attempting to change. See, this in and of itself is very difficult to fathom. I want to run from my proclivities, my selfishness, if I have an absence of integrity, all those things I want to do in the dark, 
hoping that no one will find them out. But see, it's a beautiful thing that a perfect God, willing to be with me, and is willing to help me while I change. He's not just someone that's a bystander, you know, counting how many times you do well and how many times you don't. He's a contemporary with me. He's saying, hey, you're going to get this, and I'm going to help you, but it's up to you. You have to choose. Nobody's going to make you do it. So this is where it's tough, because also those who love you, they want to support you as you aspire to being the best version of you. See, no one can do it alone. So when we think of this, this covering, this hiding, is being a gift of grace, It doesn't mean that if we cover and we hide, we're allowed to lie. What we're doing is we're saying, wow, someone's covering me up so I don't look naked to everybody. So this is really important. Allow those to love you, to support you as you aspire to be the best version of you. And if you find that there are some strings attached, you can say no. You can. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of let them love you. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me on Sunday and listening to all this show and all the things that, that I want to be able to help you integrate into your life so that you can have the best life ever. So what we're talking about today is a follow-up from last week. And so this one is Let Them Love You. The last one was I Want to Know What Love Is. So last week's, if you listen to that, it will make sense as we talk about this show today. So let them love you. Well, who is them? Anyone. Anyone can be a a quote-unquote them. Can be, I don't know, the male person. It can be the driver that lets me in instead of just blocking my way onto, you know, to get onto the, the, the highway. Well, this is what, when we think about letting people love us, it can be kind of scary. It also can be humbling, right? And that's one of the things that makes it tough. And the enemy of our soul wants to exploit that. That we're somehow in a one-down position if somebody is loving us and offering us grace. I want you to really think on this. If someone is offering you grace, this is an act of love. Nobody can make them do it. This is not putting you in a one-down position. This is honoring you and saying, you're important to me. I don't want you to stay hurt all the time. I don't want you to walk around feeling bad about yourself. I forgive you. I forgive you. Let's move on. And so this is really important. When you understand this saying that, you know, that God says, love covers and hides a multitude of sin. What are we implying? Well, that hiding something unattractive, you know, if it's not revealing its true nature, then we're wondering, what is this thing? So maybe this is in process, right? All of us are in process. All of us. So I can look back on other years that I thought, hey, I did that pretty well. And then based on what I know today, I think I really could have done that better. 
okay, so am I going to beat myself up for that? Or, or am I going to let people forgive me? You know, and, and to say, hey, we love you anyways. We like you anyways. Because the one thing that helps people continue to give you grace is that you change. See, if I have friends that they're constantly saying, hey, can you just let that go? Or, you know, thanks for not, you know, calling me out on that. Or, wow, thanks for having my back. You know, well, it's okay every once in a while. But if it's because someone is just sloppy and they're not even trying to be a good person, why would I give them grace? Grace helps us have energy to get up and do it again and do it right. To fix whatever we've broken. To do whatever we've undone. This is what grace is. It gives us time to figure out how to fix it and how to change. So all allow those who love you to support you. Truly. And if you find that there are strings attached, you can say no. You can, you can say, you know, I wish you would have told me you were needing or wanting something in return. What can I do? If I can't do what they're expecting, let them know in the future it would be helpful to know what you're needing or wanting in return as a way to clarify whether or not I have the ability to respond in kind. Otherwise, I'm setting me and you up for possible failure. Probable failure, actually. You see, I have to I have to remind myself, everyone's allowed to say no. And I can take no personally, if, if I so choose. Or I can just simply say, I accept that. You wanted to say no. Okay, I accept it. I can say to them, could I have some clarification on it? And if the person says no, I can say, okay, hey, I can live with that. You have a right to say no. So let's think about this. If I can't do what you're expecting, then I want to make sure I let them know that, hey, in the future, this is not going to happen. I can't do this or I won't do this. So you've heard of random acts of kindness, I'm sure. Well, this might seem easier to accept kindness from a stranger. You know, why would that be? Why would it be that accepting love or help or a high five from a stranger is easier to accept. Well, because they're not from our own tribe, right? And maybe because we don't feel so indebted to a stranger. So maybe this is a boundary issue. Are you deciding for them what they're expecting in return? You can always ask. You can say, hey, I'd like to repay you in some way. Truthfully, the payment that means the most to them is you continuing to live as a changed person due to their kindness. That's the best thing you could do if you want to give back to a person that's helped you. So don't feel that you owe someone if they did a good deed. Or give them a compliment. Simply say, hey, thank you. That means a lot to me. I love it when people open doors for me, and I want to do it for them in kind. I want to be a polite person. And see, when we love people, we practice courtesy and kindness. And we've talked about this many times on the show, about what courtesy does for people, what kindness does for them. And think about the person that holds the door open for you that's a stranger, doesn't even know you, and they hold the door open for you. 
it just kind of like goes, wow, that, that's nice. No, it's not huge. You didn't, you know, they didn't give you, you know, $100,000. But it just felt like, wow, that felt better. And then you feel a little better and you are better able to be a better person for others. So I want you to think about this. Be kind enough to say thank you authentically. And practice not reading into things more than you need to. If you feel like you don't deserve it, well, don't insult the person who gave it to you because you're believing negative feelings. Let the love they extended to you heal whatever insecurities, heartaches, or shame you may have. And if you can't, be kind, be gracious, be courteous. Say thank you. Simply, thank you. So let's talk about, for a minute, love languages. It's a gift. Accept the gesture and be grateful for the thought. Don't allow suspicion to steal from you. Maybe they do have a motive. Okay, well, you still have a choice as to how you're going to perceive it or whether you're going to accept it. If there is invisible chains or cords or undisclosed expectations, you can simply ignore them. See, that's a boundary. I I don't have to be a mind reader. I can't be a mind reader. I can be nice, though. I can be nice. I can be polite. I can be forgiving. I can be gracious. So you've heard me say this verse so many times on this show. And that is the verse that God says to us. God is kind. You be kind. Kindness supports peace and peace loves to linger. See, peace is a quality that expands. Kindness is a quality that is catching. God is a God of peace. He's always going to war with the people that are harming us. And there needs to be that protection. And he's able to restore and protect and to save those who are oppressed, harmed, wounded, injured. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about love. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And I always just really want you to know how grateful I am when you tell people about the show and encourage them to listen. And we have great social media. I have such good assistants that help me with that. And I'm always grateful for them, for Michelle. I I love Michelle. I am so grateful for the rest of them and all that they do. I have Becca that works for me, and she does so well. And so I want you to know that it always encourages me to be able to encourage others. And I love it when my assistants encourage me. It helps. This is the stuff that the love chapter is made of. And when we are thinking about letting someone love us. It doesn't have to be this big, huge thing. But you can take it in and let it, let yourself savor it so that you can remember it and say, you know, I remember when that person did that. Man, that felt great. So when we talk about God is kind, he then in turn says to us, you be kind. See, kindness supports peace and peace loves to linger. Peace is Wow, a quality that expands. 
It's catching. See, and God is a God of peace. So I'm sure you've heard the famous verse, um, the famous chapter. It's 1 Corinthians 13, and it is known as the love chapter. So I'm going to read this to you because I want you to really take it in. And this is what the author says. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging, clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always loves, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So if you're beating yourself up because you think you don't love people well, what I want you to say to yourself is, anyone that tries to love someone is doing a valiant, valiant thing. It doesn't mean it always works. Remember, we have, you know, we live in a fallen world that, that is always trying to come in and undo and redo anything good that we do. So I want you to think about this. Wow, I don't have to work this hard. I don't have to work this hard to be helpful and to help people feel better. I can change someone's mood simply by smiling at them or saying, yeah, I know, what you're, I know how it feels. I hate it too. Or thanking someone for helping me. What if I apologize to my closest friend and I say, you know, that's, that's on me. I should not have done that. That was wrong. That was wrong. And I expected you to just kind of overlook it. And now that I look back at it, I can't believe I would think you should overlook it. You should not overlook it. That was wrong on my part. So when we just speak the truth, we don't have to, you know, get big and cry and spend tons of money and... It's the thing that sets people free, and we've talked about this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So when you tell the truth to someone you love and help them understand, if they want, to know why you did what you did, that's an act of love. That's an act of love. And you let them forgive you 
and move on. Who wants to carry that baggage? There's no reason for it. The only reason we have baggage is if we haven't tended to it. So the, the more that you just move on and do the next right thing, you're going to be happier. You're going to be more confident. You're going to be able to love deeply if you also forgive yourself. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of love. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And as always, so appreciate you listening to the show, telling your friends about it, and being able to integrate the things that we talk about on this show. And so I just want your life to be all that God has wanted it to be. And we all know that down here on earth, it's probably not going to get there. However, the more we pursue it, the happier we are. And so we are talking about let them love you. So the last, the, the previous two weeks, we talked about shame. We talked about toxic shame and what happens in those types of relationships. Well, today I want us to talk about this, this next kind of concept that many of us struggle with, and that's letting them love you. So why don't I let people love me? Why do I push it away? Why do I say, no, no, I don't need that, or no, you don't need to say that, or thank you, but, right? So I want you to think about, it. All, all therapists work with what we call attachment theory. And attachment theory talks about how humans attach. And so you, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know how much I love animals. So you see when you get a new animal, how they begin to attach to you. And they get upset if you're not around. And they get their feelings hurt if they're punished. And you're their everything, right? So attachment theory tells us that we're wired to pursue love and acceptance, which makes the fear of rejection understandable. But might there also be a corresponding, maybe less visible fear? And that's the fear of acceptance. You see, you have to realize that this acceptance piece is how mammals survive. So if you've ever watched Animal Planet, know, known any of these, these things about animals, you will find that one of the things that is paramount is to be able to be in a group. There's safety in numbers, right? All animals, all mammals do this. And so even if they're being mistreated... They need to stay in the group because they can't do it alone. So we all know that, yes, in today's world, we probably can do it alone. Not very well. The way that God has made mammals, and we as humans are mammals, is we need connection. We need to be seen. We need to be a part of something. Even if we're the scapegoat, we would rather be the scapegoat than be out without anybody. And so I want you to think about this. Wow, why do I have a hard time letting people love me? Well, it's probably about the fear of acceptance. If I put myself out there and love someone, what if they reject it? What if they say they don't want it? What if they say it's stupid or too late, right? 
So what happens? This, this fear of acceptance is very powerful. See, the fear of rejection makes sense. If we've had a you know, steady diet of shame and blame and criticism, we learn that the world is not a safe place. Something within us mobilizes us to protect our tender heart from further stings and insults. You see, but this mechanism doesn't discriminate. Our defensive structures not only safeguard us from the prospect of rejection, but also from accepting and using acceptance and welcoming. See, it's, it's like a, an antenna. It's scanning. It's working to protect us from danger, and it all, oftentimes gives us false readings. I mean, I, I'm sure that you've experienced this where you met someone for the first time and it was like, wow, that was weird, or I don't like that person. I don't know what that was about. And then the second time you meet them, you've already got this idea of who they are. They're a, they're a different person. And you find out that, hey, they got in a car wreck on the way to the party, right? And so you have to think about acceptance can be very frightening. Because if I'm accepted, I have to keep being accepted, right? <laughs> so this is why this is a struggle for us as humans. It's like we can never really just settle down, right? We can never really just feel safe. So what I want you to think about is the reality of this world is this world is not a safe place. So that need to feel safe is part of a childlike part of us. And humans always do better in packs. So if we get kicked out of the pack or if we're not accepted, it can feel like a death blow. So we want to make sure that we're taking advantage of the God who loves us and that inside of ourself, we can begin to repair that. So that means that I need to first and foremost accept myself. And that's a tough one. See, the more accepting I am of myself, the safer I feel to other people. So in, in sessions I ha that I have with clients, because many times they're going to think, well, she's been doing this for years, so she you know, has a radio show, she speaks all over the place, so she must really have her act together. <laughs> and I do, to some degree, absolutely. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I've been alive for a while here. So I have figured out some things. But the fear of acceptance never goes away. And that's why friendship is so important. That's why letting people love you is so important. I wish that we could constantly feel secure. I wish there was a way that we arrived and now we totally feel secure. It's just not going to happen. It's never going to be that way until we get to heaven. So we have to learn how to manage that, how to be able to say to ourselves, okay, is that, remember when we talked about the fear, F-E-A-R, it's false evidence appearing real? So you have to remind yourself, is this false evidence appearing real? Is this reminding me of something in the past that maybe now I'm seeing I didn't resolve? Is this because I'm tired? Is this because I don't like the interaction I had with someone yesterday and now it's bothering me? And so this is where you have to understand the fear of rejection doesn't discriminate. And our defensive structure not only safeguards us from the prospect of rejection, but it also tries to safeguard us from acceptance and welcoming. Because if it's protecting us from danger, then it's saying, wow, yeah, we need to be welcomed. We need to be desired. We need to be wanted. But 
What if they stop? Or what if it doesn't work? What if I put myself out there and I'm not accepted? See, acceptance can be very frightening. And there can be scary implications for acceptance. Let's say you're at a social gathering and you meet someone who apparently likes you. They ask you for your phone number. What now? So now you're suddenly flooded by fear. You wonder, what if this person begins to see who I really am? What if they don't like what they see? What if they really like what they see? What then? Where does it go from there? And we start to go down this whole list of the coulds, the woulds, the shoulds, the if only. And we say to ourselves, I don't even know if I want to take that risk. So other people accepting and liking you might be scary if, excuse me, you have blocks to receiving. What if you came from a family that was never said, you know, thank you, or didn't, uh, didn't think that they should give kudos to anybody. You know, it was kind of a dry family. And so you're not used to receiving compliments. Maybe you're able to give them because you were taught that was polite. But receiving them, you don't know what to do with that. So you might not know how to deal with it. You, you might shut down and, and erect defenses to others. And, and if you allow the, the connection to happen and then at some point they no longer accept you, that might really hurt. So you want to play it safe, right? You want to keep your distance as a preemptive defense against possible future pain. But what does that leave you with? That leaves you with always feeling in pain always feeling like you're not wanted or accepted, understood, desired, right? So it makes that hole deeper. What if you cling to negative core beliefs? Like when someone likes or accepts you, maybe the negative core belief is you say, well, wow, if you're convinced that you're unlovable or that relationship will never work, you might suppress your aliveness, right? You might have your personality change when they give you a compliment. When they say, wow, I'm so glad I met you. I think we have a lot in common. And you're like, yes, yes, no, oh my gosh. So maybe, you, maybe you're avoidant or ambivalent in your attachment style. And that's a therapy concept. But the avoidant says, come here, come here, come here, now go away. Because they're too afraid that they're going to be rejected. So they can only have a little bit of the closeness before they go, okay, if I don't stop this now, I'm really going to be hurt because then they won't like me anymore. And so I would rather not have a good feeling than have a good feeling and it taken away from me. What about the ambivalent attachment style? This is like, yeah, I can take your leave you. So they never really give you the impression that you're special to them, that they care about you, that they like you, that they like being with you. No, they're just going to kind of let you dangle out there, maybe assuming, well, they called me, so they must like me, sort of. What about the fear of acceptance? See, this may be operating if you tend to avoid emotional engagement in relationships. In addition to fearing rejection, you might keep distance because you don't trust any connection or you don't trust that an acceptance will last. So if you're ambivalent about relationships, some part of you really wants connection, but it frightens another part of you. 
So you might succumb to fear and pull away at the first sign of discord. Something just as simple as, hey, why didn't you call me back? And the person says, you never called me. I didn't get anything. And they start getting super defensive. And you're like, it's not that big of a deal. I just wondered, maybe you didn't get my voicemail. I thought we were going to talk today. And so this is where you have to really take care of overcoming this, this fear of acceptance by exploring and receiving and examining core beliefs that keep you stuck. So those core beliefs might be something like, nobody's liked me to begin with, I don't measure up, I don't have a great job to talk about, I, I don't like my appearance, any of these kinds of things <clears throat> Excuse me, that cause you to say, <clears throat> I'm not a good risk. I'm not a good risk. I, I'm, I'm not going to do this. All I'll get is let down. I'm just going to keep on working on myself by myself until I feel confident enough to put myself out there. So when we work with this, the biggest thing is accepting ourselves. And if you've ever heard the term acceptance, the key to all my problems, right? Well, part of acceptance is accepting me. And I had to work really hard at that. And I would complain to God about all kinds of things as to how he made me. And one day he finally just said to me, Cynthia, I didn't consult you when I created you. I made you for me. I'm happy with you. I like the way I made you. I'm excited to spend eternity with you, Cynthia. So you can either get on the same page as me or you can be miserable until you come home. And it was kind of a very realistic moment, you know, that he had with me. And I was like, oh, wow. So I started really accepting the things that I, you know, can't change and changing the things that I can. And not getting stuck on things that probably are not going to matter in the course of eternity. That it's bugging me in this moment. But is that, is that really the hill I'm going to die on? Is that really what I'm going to do with this day? I'm going to let that one thing, that person did not call me back, and it is now I'm snagged, and that's all I can think about. Or am I going to say to myself, I have no idea why they didn't call me back. I can make up ideas. They're usually going to be about my insecurities. So I want you to think about this. Acceptance. Accepting you. And have a great week. And I'm so glad you joined me this week. And I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please 
take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.